My mother always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. She told me I had a purpose. Podcast. This is the DC Universe Podcast, where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and small screen, so we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and we are the Suicide Squad Cast, coming at you a couple of days later than usual. What can we say? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we've had a number of issues this past week. Uh, one, I've been sick, uh, so I'm actually, my voice is actually better for the first time in a while. Uh, and the second one was my equipment broke down. Like I was not able to record. We tried doing a recording Monday uh, for DC TV Squadcast. And uh, I spent two and a half hours trying to figure out what was going on. And I finally realized my equipment went bad, that it was like nothing with any of my other settings. And so I had to order some new equipment. So here we are. Here it's we a couple are. of days late, but the episode will come out just in an altered form. Yes. <laughs> can we say? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, rain or shine, we are here. We are we are here one way or the other <laughs> well so. just as a reminder we are members of the suicide squad cast network that does include dc comic Squadcast with chris and jordan fans without borders with brent and ray and dc tv Squadcast with the clown car um apparently not with tim this past week yes. but hey <laughs> yeah and not with jordan either he was oh moving. my goodness yeah he was moving so so ray had to kind of go solo on that deal wow the, the drama yes i haven't i haven't caught up on titans or pennyworth yet so i didn't know about any of this but it's getting to that point now where I can do that seven-day free trial on Epics and probably binge all of Pennyworth at one time. So next weekend, here I come. Yeah, so I think if you, I think you have to, well, you could actually do it now because it's the ninth episode. I know, as long as as long as long it lasts until when the episode comes out next week, I'll be good to go. Yeah, yeah. And also, guys, if you would like and you'd like to help uh, contribute to what we're doing here with this network, we would encourage you to go to patreon.com slash squadcastmedia where we post exclusive content to those who are able to help support us as a thank you. And um, because of my equipment failure, we were not able to record our scheduled Punisher review last Tuesday. It is now scheduled for this Tuesday coming up. But Ray and I were able to record the n- next episode of Fans Without Borders Plus, where we reviewed Ad Astra with Brad Pitt. Oh, okay. H- high level thoughts. Really liked it. Okay. Uh, it is not a movie for everybody. I definitely will say, um, think I heard this review beforehand, and it completely puts you in the right mindset. If you think of Apocalypse Now meets 2001 A Space Odyssey. That's the kind of pacing and material you're in for. Okay. Expect a very personal, slow burn character piece that just happens to take place in space. Okay. And go in with those kind of expectations. Mm, That sounds good to me. You named a couple films that I enjoy quite a bit, so. So, that's what I would say. It is a very divisive film, but I enjoyed it, but I think I also went in with the right mindset going into the movie. Nice. Okay. Well, good. All right. Well, let's get to this. We 
week's news. Man, we are, it sounds like we are about 10 or 11 days away from Joker now. Well, and from the time of this recording, probably just like a handful of hours away from us being able to buy tickets. Yeah. Because I got times posted at my local theaters now. I can't buy them yet, but I know when the show times are going to be. Okay. Yeah, and according to Todd Phillips, his understanding is tickets are supposed to go on sale tomorrow morning, which is Monday morning at, I think he said 9 a.m. Eastern Eastern time. Mm, okay. So I know when I'll be looking for my IMAX tickets because this this sucker, all the trailers end up being like legit IMAX, like the full screen. So I think I am going to try to catch the IMAX presentation of this film. Yeah. And uh, I haven't I haven't seen this uh, officially posted somewhere, but I saw somebody mentioning that IMAX was going to just have a one week run for this film. Ooh. Okay. Well, then I'm going to have to get on that. Yeah. If that's true. So. All right. Um. So kind of getting to that, we got some more stills from uh, the film itself, which just looks great, of course. Everything has just been looking fantastic here. Uh, we got our first image of Murray Franklin sitting behind a desk. Uh, presumably, I guess this is his desk that he uses for his actual talk show. Yes, and that font behind him looks very, very familiar. <laughs> yes, it does. And and uh, somebody took this and posted it side by side. It is exactly the font that it was used for Batman the Animated Series. So It's a great uh, touch. Yay. I mean, I remember, I remember like a year ago when we broke down that subway map that they had. Yeah. It, it's like there are Easter eggs galore in this movie. Yeah. And this was great. You know, the, all these people that are on the production design, you know, for these films. I mean, they're just having a, a, a blast with this kind of stuff. And I love that they do that. Like, and this is just a cool little nod to the genre, you know, especially to the fan base. You know, Joker just had its sort of L.A. premiere and they had a Q&A afterwards. And, you know, we've got some different different vendor, different venues were reporting, you know, the, the questions and answers that, that were given at the premiere and so we we're just going to hit on a few of them there was one talk about todd phillips and joaquin phoenix crafting the joker laugh which of course is always important to anyone who plays the joker <laughs> yeah it's just one of those things and joaquin phoenix said uh, that Phillips showed him some videos of some laughs and he was like i think that's really good and in the script apparently the laugh was described as being almost painful and joaquin thought it was a very interesting way to describe laughter <laughs> i like that I like the way they kind of describe it. Like, I don't think I've ever heard, you know, the Joker laugh or Joker's laughter as being painful. But man, it, it definitely puts you in an interesting mindset, doesn't it? It does. And, and and then when Todd Phillips was answering the question, he referred to it as the affliction laugh. Yeah. And he said there's the laugh where he's fake laughing to be one of the guys or in the comedy club. And then apparently at some point that he is genuinely laughing at something. Yeah. And then that kind of so basically like we see the fake laugh he puts on to try to be quote normal and then i guess at some point in the film we actually probably hear like the full-blown quote joker laugh yeah well and then they went on to kind of talk about what the clinical basis of the laugh was and we've kind of touched on this before but we'll, we'll touch on it again here in case this is the first time you're hearing about it um todd phillips said you know they they were researching it and they're studying all kinds of different things uh that there's and, and one in particular is this laugh uh in some people that have this affliction and it affects them in different ways and some people will cry from this some people will laugh and he says it's always at the wrong moment and it's really painful and he says what they discovered was that it happens from head trauma as a young person or even older and sometimes it happens with multiple sclerosis and they went into this head trauma thing and he says in the movie in every way tries to be grounded in reality as much as possible and it, they said it still has you know a foot in the comic book world for sure but they kept thinking you know let's put 
everything through a realistic lens. Like, why does he have a white face? Well, they're not just going to drop him in acid. Phoenix says, look, it's amazing how they did it in the comic books with Jack Nicholson and all that. But it doesn't feel very real that that would happen if he fell into a vat of acid. And he says, so let's come up with a realistic answer for everything. And this was the one that they had actually used for the laugh. Okay. Well, I mean, it, just, it works for the world that this film is building. Yeah. And then uh, they went on to talk about, um, you know, music and some of the dancing that's actually in the film. And we talked about this uh, a couple episodes back, how they actually had some of the score already complete from uh, the composer uh, Hildur Gudnaditor. And they said basically they had played that thing throughout as they were filming. And he says one of the earliest things they kind of spoke about was that they wanted to play it that like Arthur had this music within him, that it just existed inside of him. And he said, you know, some people you know, you know, you might know personally have that feeling. And I always kind of felt that about Arthur. Uh, It was sort of like kept in and trapped. And that there was something that about that evolving, but like that scene in the bathroom, which we had seen in the, we'd actually seen this in one of the, the trailers. He says, you know, you think this is what you're getting to. And then he just starts dancing. He says, you know, that was not in the script. That was something that just kind of evolved. And he says, you know, at this moment, you can kind of sort of show that it's kind of fighting to get out, you know? And so that's, I look at this as kind of interesting, Scott. Like, I I feel like they, you know, they're saying there's this, like, this, this music, and it's, it's kind of like a haunting score. And it's, it's probably like a peaceful thing for Joker. It's like inside of them. And they're kind of trying to express this as this is the transformation that this is starting to come out of them. And that's part of the transformation that you're gonna actually see. I just, I want to hear this music. Uh, you still haven't uh, heard it yet? Go to go no. to YouTube. You can go to YouTube. Look at Chernobyl. No, it's fine. It's fine. I haven't heard it to this point. I can wait another couple of weeks to hear it in the movie. Well, you have heard Hilder before. Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. It was on uh, Sicario. Sicario Two. Sicario so, Two, right? Yeah. Yes. So, uh, which good? I mean, I I really enjoyed that movie. So, yeah. I, and I need to go back and watch it again and probably pay a little bit more attention to the music. But I'm 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 ready. I'm ready for what they talk with everyone's been talking about when it comes to this movie. Yeah. No, I didn't realize this also that apparently Todd Phillips has to set the record straight about the fact that there's not going to be a sequel to this movie. I mean, <laughs> for some people, didn't we? I mean, it's like we all knew this was a standalone. Well, we did. Apparently, some people just have to be annoying as all get out. And he took the opportunity talking to GameSpot at the LA screening to say it's it's I love it. It's so annoying. You say one thing and it becomes the story for 24 hours. Yes, Todd. Yes, yes, it does. Yes, it yes, does. Welcome to welcome to this world. And he said that the quote was, I will do anything Joaquin wants to do. And I would, but the movie's not set up to have a sequel. And then he said definitively at the end, there is no, we have no plan for a sequel. We made this movie. I pitched it to Warner Brothers as one movie. It exists in its own world. That's it. It's not about world building. It's not about other versions. It's like, here's our version of the origin story. That's it. That's what I meant. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I mean, and as something that kind of got brought up too, I think when Ray and I were talking about Ad Astra today, it's just, it's just nice to have a movie that like you see the movie the movie's done you're done it, it, there's there it, there's becoming something in my old age that is very uh, comforting about this is the movie beginning middle end you're done yeah that absolutely is right I mean and and I kind of think about it as well like going back to you know comic books in general I've always kind of felt like the the stories that I've latched onto that have remained with me the longest have been the ones that have just been a self-contained story and there really is a lot of truth to that like sometimes you just want something to have a nice bow put on it uh, so that you know at the end that you're not feeling like okay there's more story that's going to be coming like this is going to be a story that's going to be self-contained it seems and and there's a lot of appeal to that quite honestly oh yes there very much is appeal to that so yeah. I will I, I look forward to it and then moving kind of rewinding back in time there was some extra context that we 
we got from some Q&As that were done at TIFF. And Todd Phillips was talking about the transformation of Arthur Fleck. And he said, we approached it quite honestly like we're doing an origin story of a villain. But the villain is the hero, and you root for him until you can't root for him any longer. And that point is different for certain people, but Arthur's actions in this movie are abhorrent by the end, and you're not supposed to be rooting for him. So here's this idea of like what happens if the villain is a hero at the beginning, and then because of Joaquin's brilliant acting, I kind of describe it as a volume knob from 0 to 11. And he's slow. Slowly, slowly turning. So I like this. It's like you will root for him, but then it kind of becomes the the ticking clock of, so when do I stop rooting for him? Yeah. Well, and he says, like, you know, it's not like somebody said to him, you know, when does he turn into the Joker? You know, he says he doesn't run into a phone booth and come out as Joker. He says, really, when you watch the movie again, if you know, you can really notice this kind of slow transformation that happens. And the idea was to sort of do it almost as an origin story of a hero where you're really rooting for him and then you feel for him. And then there's a point and it's different for everybody when you're just like, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Check, please. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Oh, and I keep going back to Breaking Bad. This just sounds so much like the Walter White transformation. Oh, yeah. It's like when, because I'm sure anyone who watches that show is like, there's a different point for everyone where Walter just goes too far. Yes. And, and it depends on you personally. When is it too far? <laughs> what is that going to say about us, Scott? Like, what if what if the point that like it finally were, where I said I'm out was like way beyond other people? <laughs> I think but that's what's going to make this movie i think interesting yeah it's like when is your e- when is your point of egress yes that's right <laughs> when, do you, when do you punch out i don't know oh i love this one i just thought that was such a great answer to that whole you know the whole question about you know how you're supposed to be looking at him i know which i also kind of ties into i you were i was asking you about it before the sh- we started recording and apparently someone decided to ask joaquin phoenix a question about you know what if this movie incites violence and Joaquin apparently just like dropped the mic and walked out. Yeah. And I'm like, I like it because they have made it so perfectly clear that they are not advocating anything and that you're supposed to watch this movie and find his actions abhorrent. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And these are probably people asking it that have certainly have not seen the film at this point. Or they're just trying to be difficult. Yeah. Trying to be controversial. Oh, man. Um, Todd Phillips did reveal that the original first cut of the film and uh, and when he talks about it, it was just basically the first time they kind of put everything to go all together. He says the cut was two hours and 35 minutes and he says right now it's about two hours and two minutes uh with the credits and he said that you know there were so many different cuts of the film there was another um interview that i watched of him talking about it and he elaborated a little bit more and i can't remember who it was with but oh well there's one over at comicbook.com they talked about it was just the overall trimming of the fat like the the normal the normal trimming that happens from a like an assembly cut to the final product yeah because he said that no plot was deleted yeah and that's what uh uh, I, I mean, people are going to kind of get freaked out about it, but it sounds like, you know, and if you listen to the way he talked about it, like this was completely his decision to do this. And he says, you know, he watched it a few times, you know, his first cut and he realized, you know, he started looking at things and goes, well, I really don't need that. And I really don't need that. And he says he's really all about keeping the thing moving and keeping it tight. And so it was, you know, these are all his decisions to do this. But it, it does make you, you know, but being a fan of, you know, Joaquin Phoenix and all that, like, I hope we do get to see some of those deleted scenes, you know. Yeah, it, it would be- 
be interesting to be able to just show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see what I can see why they got trimmed out. Yeah, you didn't you didn't need that. And we've talked about this a lot. I mean, there's a lot of films that we love all the time. Like, um, I'll give you a great example. If you ever watch Blade Runner, Blade Runner is such a great film, especially if you look at the final cut. Um, it's such a it's such a great, uh, well paced film. And then you go and watch all these different deleted scenes. You're like, oh yeah, that definitely that definitely didn't add to the film and would have slowed things down. Like it, there was a reason that those things were cut out. Yeah, which is also like watching the work print cut which is yeah. let's make an entire movie out of the deleted scenes yeah yeah so uh there was also in the same comicbook.com article there was the talk about the fact that we we were we were questioning you know hildor having the some of the score already written before production even started on the film and apparently she scored the script and i'm like that is incredible to me yeah <laughs> oh and and the other thing too like the, the way she works i i watch an interview with her one time uh the way she works like when she did chernobyl she went to a nuclear power plant that they were decommissioning and, and about ready to tear down uh she actually just went there in and hung out there for you know several hours and just walked around the place just to try to get a feel for it and she basically used that as to kind of put her in the right mindset of what um you know what the score should be so that it kind of fits with the um the aesthetic of the of what like a power plant would be and so she's she said she doesn't typically do that and then when she kind of referenced, you know, reason she doesn't do that on other films, and she didn't name the film, but she was basically alluding to Joker. You know, she's just like, she was like, I'm not going to follow around killers <laughs> to, to get the aesthetic. Uh, but but it's it's really great. I mean, they were so in love with her score that uh, Todd Phillips said they just played it throughout the entire, you know, through all their filming. And he said he, he had it piped into his earpiece, into the cinematographer's earpiece, so that they listened to it as they were actually working. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but these posters that are getting released are just like works of art. And I want to know why, where do I find these posters? <laughs> why, why are they not at my local movie theater already? Because these are gorgeous. Yeah, these are great posters. Really good. I love the subway one that says out of order. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great one. And I love the one where uh, it's like the paint is melting off his face. Mm-hmm. That poster is incredible. Yeah, that one's great. Um, the other one that's great is a picture of Joaquin Phoenix uh, as Arthur Fleck and as Joker on a Joker playing card, which is really good. I really like that one quite a bit. Where give me give me these posts. Give me this movie. <laughs> give it to me now. Of course, by the time people are listening to this episode, I should already have my tickets. Yeah. Just saying. You know the one I didn't like that the one I liked the least was the IMAX poster. Oh yeah, absolutely, because it's just it's just a picture. It's like a <laughs> still frame from the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and it actually really made me think of Dark Knight. Yes, it does. Yeah. So um there's a picture that somebody snapped of a touring bus that's i assume going to be driving around somewhere i don't know where it was at but uh it's it's the entire side of the bus is that scene of joker in the bathroom where he's you know where he's uh beginning to do a small dance uh that's a great that's a great picture cool uh tracking is still according to hollywood reporter tracking still around 82 million for opening weekend so that sounds that sounds good yeah in that article they kind of talk about how notoriously uh bad some of the tracking can be (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) we have we have long documented how terrible the tracking is (laughs) oh so anyway so take it for what it is you know it's going to be up to us to determine like you know how well this thing does honestly okay moving on to birds of prey and the fantastic emancipation of one harley quinn i love i love this new poster (laughs) it's a great poster it is a great poster if you haven't seen it it's basically harley with this blank stare on her face and all the characters from the film flying around her head like 
birds from a cartoon when they get hit upside the head. Yeah. <laughs> and all I could think of was that opening scene from, you know, from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's like, no, no, we need stars, not birds. The script says stars. <laughs> right. Oh, this was a great poster. A, I mean, you see Black Canary, Cassandra Kane, Harley, Black Mask, uh, Huntress, Zaz, Montoya, and there's a tattoo around her neck that says Mind Over Mayhem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. And of course, still uh, the same uh, tattoos on her face from Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's it's just, I'm, I really am looking forward to this movie. Yeah. It's just, and I'm ready for like a full-blown trailer. This is just going to be a crazy film. I want it to be a crazy film. <laughs> I do, too. It's what I want it to be. Well, I mean, you want it to be Harley Quinn. Like, basically, this is what's going on in her head, you know? Uh. So, now, w- tell me about this Christina Hudson interview with Total Film, because we haven't heard from her in a while, and so I always, I want to I want to know what she's saying about the movie. Yeah, I mean, she's just kind of uh, repeating things that she's kind of said in the past here, uh, and she doesn't say a whole lot, but she should just said, Margot Robbie knew that she wanted to tell a Harley Quinn plus uh, girls story, and so that was kind of where she began with it, and she knew she wanted a girl gang, and she wanted the Har- Harley to have friends, and um, she talked about how she had actually met Margot Robbie four years ago, and this was before Suicide Squad had even opened up, and this is where they had met to actually start, you know, hashing out some ideas, which I had no idea she was involved this long ago. No, I didn't either. I don't think anyone knew. No, four years ago. That's That throws out, like, the timeline I thought I understood about her involvement in this. And then she said Margot Robbie had uh, naturally gravitated towards Birds of Prey, and, you know, and Christina Hotson was explaining that Margot's, you know, a comic book fan, and she says, obviously, you know, it's not a traditional team-up. So then it was about, for her, Christina, it was about finding fun, inventive ways of doing that. And she went on to, to kind of compliment Warner. She says, you know, they were very supportive in terms of letting her go off leash. So okay, that's Let's good. Make that's sure what it I want. Stays that way. Let's make sure it stays that way. Right, right. There was a a, a small quote from Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, Huntress, in that as well, where she says, "You can expect something really fun and a bit wild and totally unique." Okay, that's what I want. That's what I want. Okay. Um, saw these comic book covers for apparently some trade character centric trade paperbacks they're going to be releasing when the movie comes out, which I think is interesting. I mean, they they always do this, but usually they don't go this sort of in-depth in, like, making special, you know, movie tie-in covers. Like, the, so they actually went and hired someone to go and make make covers that look like they match the style of the movie with the actresses as the characters so they can do a Harley Quinn, a Black Canary, and a Huntress trade paperback. Yeah, and, and they look like stills that we had seen before. So it, it looks like somebody had um, maybe a fuller picture of these images and actually uh, drew it out. The artist is actually Tula Lotte, which I'm not real familiar with her work. I've seen the art before. It's not exactly some of my favorite art, but it what's awesome about these covers, though, is getting a better look at the costumes than we've gotten up to this point. Yeah. And then we got some news on the comic book side that the Brian Azzarello series, Birds of Prey, has actually been moved over to DC's Black Label uh, imprint. Which was interesting because all the previous solicited issues had been had their orders canceled, and now it's going to be a Black Label book, which I would hope means that Azarella wanted a little bit more creative freedom with the story he was telling and or Azarello is telling a story that DC decided they didn't want to be continuity because what we were there's there's been some great debate about what DC Black Label has become as opposed to what it originally was supposed to be and that you know the whole really 
the folk, the manufactured controversy regarding Batman Damn Number One seemed to really have changed what the DC Black Label was going to be. Because now it just seems like it's a whole bunch of Elseworld stories or standalone, you know, standalone limited series or one shots or that kind of deal. Yeah. So I, I'm just very curious what this actually means for the book itself that's being moved to Black Label because the fact that two issues were already solicited makes you think the book was already written and was already drawn. So what's changing with this book that moves it out of continuity? Yeah, it's interesting. And it kind of made me wonder about the Birds of Prey film as well. And, you know, I know, you know, Todd Phillips has talked about how he kind of brought the idea to Warner Brothers about creating a a different label of DC films that basically just allows them to do these little one-off stories that are not connected to the larger continuity that can maybe be a little bit darker in nature. And uh, and that's eventually what became Joker. Uh, now, up to this point, there's no plans that we've heard about uh, from the Warner Brothers side to actually go forward with something like this. But it does kind of make you wonder. Like, I mean, we know that, you know, obviously Joker is going to be rated R. We know Birds of Prey is going to be rated R. You know, this is one thing that, you know, Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment is able to do that, say, Marvel cannot do, you know, or, or is unwilling to do, to do, like, much darker stories. And I and I kind of wonder, like, what would be the possibility that if Joker is successful and and it, it, it just really kind of takes off, that Warner Brothers could very quickly pivot and say, yep, we're going to go ahead and, and create this distinct banner that is going to kind of know, be known that it's not connected to their larger, you know, extended universe of connected, you know, superhero uh, movies and all that. You know, what if they just ended up porting over this Birds of Prey film to become part of that label? See, I don't buy that because of the Margot Robbie connection. Because they're borrowing a character uh, from a story that we saw in Suicide Squad that we're then going to see again in The Suicide Squad. I don't. I don't see them doing that because it's going to be connected because of her character right, and that but, actress playing that character. But but it's connected to one film, and you know what if what if they decided to go ahead and just say, well, this is going to be part of this other label. That is so complicated that I don't think they would ever do that because they they I think they should have a legitimate concern about confusing the audience, and I I'm wondering what they're already. I mean, Joker is at least in a way that they're setting in a different time period with a completely different actor playing the character, and even that's gonna even that's that'll gonna confuse some people, yeah. confuse some of the general audience anyway. So you know, the same way that why isn't Christian Bale Batman when Batman v Superman came out? And like, <laughs> pe- I'm sorry, I I want to give the audience the benefit of the doubt, but as years go on and I listen to people like when you're like sitting around in a Starbucks and you hear people having conversations about these movies, you realize how unfortunately the general audience isn't as bright as we'd hope they would be. <laughs> well, and if they don't follow. It. I mean, I, I can. I think it's understandable that you know they might be a little confused by it. But at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, one cool thing that would actually happen with that is if they did do something like that, is we could maybe get the original Suicide Squad cut, you know, which which had a much darker Harley and Joker story to it. That would be interesting to me. Well, and you know, I've seen there have been some articles published online talking about that, talking about the Snyder cut of Justice League, how this sort of more loose connectivity or this. DC Black Label uh, kind of gives them the option of going, well, yeah, here you go. 
here's this movie. Right. Uh, I'd be. I mean, I'd be down for that. Yeah. I just don't think it's gonna happen, but I'd be down for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It just. It all depends on how well these two films do. I mean, that could really change things. I mean, if if you have like a much more mature content that has to be rated R, does really well. I mean, I think that you know, certainly as a studio, you'd have to sit there and think, okay, what else then? You know, what would be next if they were to continue down that path? Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, it, the question for us has always been like. What's the new status quo now that AT&T is in control? Yeah. And we've we've not been too particularly thrilled by that prospect. And so, we'll, I mean, the new boss is in town and these films are about to start hitting the screens. So I guess we'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah, yep, we will. All right, moving on to The Batman. Uh, HN Entertainment has now been able to confirm that filming for The Batman will be taking place at Warner Brothers studio in Leavesden over in the UK. Primarily. Primarily, yes. And uh, so that's that's something that's been kind of speculated up to this point. It sounds like that is, in fact, going to be the case. And Matt Reeves was in London for Batman Day, so yeah. that kind of was another, you know, giant arrow pointing to that. Right, for sure. Okay, moving on to The Suicide Squad. Uh, apparently, James Gunn is revealing that, one, they're not going to be revealing character details of the film anytime soon, and that even some of the reported characters that have been out there, and he said, e- including from reputable sources, have been very wrong. So he said, in all honesty, I don't think we're going to officially lose character info for a long, long while to come. Hmm. Which, you know what? I'm okay with that. I don't need to know that. I, I like as many, you know me, I like as many surprises going into a movie as I can get. So, hey, keep it all under wraps if you can. I'll have I'll, I'll have fun finding out when I see the movie. Yeah, but I would still want that little team photo, <laughs> like the one we got from David Ayer. I, that was such a great photo. I would love to see something like that. But I guess, you know, it's something they could still do, especially if they really realize they're going to be filming outside anywhere. I mean, let's be clear. I mean, the reason David Ayer did that and Warner Brothers is because they were filming, you know, out on the streets. In so, Toronto. <laughs> Toronto. So, so it was kind of important to just make sure that, you know, they got the images out there that they wanted. Um, Jai Courtney uh, had an interview with ComingSoon.net and uh, they had basically said to him in the interview that they were going to be real disappointed if he was killed off quickly. And uh, Jai Courtney said, well, that's very kind of you to say. Obviously, I can't talk about it at all, but I'd be disappointed with that as well. <laughs> um, he went on to kind of talk about uh, David Ayer, and he had some really nice things to say uh, about David Ayer. He says, you know, I love playing this character. He's just super rambunctious and gets a lot of funny lines. I just have such a good time with it. It's easy in a way because David Ayer told me on the first movie to find my inner dirtbag, and I'm paraphrasing. And I think it's not that far below the surface. It's fun with Boomer because there's an irreverence to it all. It's just a good time. It's not so important to him. It's it's all a bit of a gag, a bit of a laugh. It's fun to have all these amazing people around on these amazing sets and play with all these toys and also get to be an Australian man. It's funny. I sometimes take that for granted as an actor because we've al- we're always in different worlds. Even something as simple as not having an accent frees you up. There's a freedom within that. There's an immediacy to it that makes it feel a little more natural. Sometimes it's fun to run away from natural and transform, and sometimes it's fun to feel like you know this guy intimately. Cool. Yeah. And asked about, you know, the working with a different director and working with new people and old people in this film, Jai Courtney said, I don't think it's going to be weird. It's kind of funny that we're getting to 
do it again with a bunch of new people and a bunch of old people. And he said it's going to be different, but, you know, he he's just ready to tackle the new challenge of the new energy of, you know, all the newness. He, and he reiterated that he loved working with David Ayer and that he'd work with David again in a heartbeat. And he said, but Gun 2 is quite prolific and really obviously does know what he's doing. I'm excited to see where he brings what he brings to it. It's going to be totally different, but very cool as well. The world has evolved from where we were at that point. He's going to have his own take on it, and it's going to be great. Yeah. He posted a great picture of himself on Instagram uh, showing his gold tooth is in place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then David Ayer, continuing to be a class act, uh, tweeted uh, that, you know, he was, he quote tweeted someone that was, you know, showing support for both James Gunn and David Ayer. And David Ayer quote tweeted and said, exactly, DC is blessed to have James Gunn. I'm getting my popcorn ready with hashtag TSS for the Suicide Squad. Yeah. And that's, that hashtag is a one that, uh, you know, I think it was actually James Gunn first used. Okay. Hashtag TSS. So it looks like that's the that's a hashtag that he's wanting to use. Well, then, no. The world, the world may never know, or they will, <laughs> because there you go. Yep. And that kind of wraps it up for some movie news. We had some, we had a little bit of uh, TV news that we can hit kind of briefly. Um, if you didn't think that the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover on the CW could get any larger, apparently Tom Welling is coming back as Superman. <laughs> is he coming back as Superman, or is he coming back as, yeah, as, as Clark? That is a g- excellent question because that's what I want to know. Apparently, it is supposed to be him ten years after the finale. Okay, and apparently, part of it's going to fill in like what's been happening with that version of Clark Kent Superman since the end of Smallville. But I don't know because it was so famous and almost notorious about Tom Welling never wanting to wear the costume. Yeah, so much so that the closest we got was a shirt rip as the very final scene <laughs> of the last episode. Yeah, I don't know and that's something i want to know yeah and the thing is like i mean if they were if they were going to put him in costume they would have to design a costume essentially wouldn't they well i don't know because it, it's already been established in continuity if you go by you know smallville that it's the superman returns costume okay because that's what they used yeah the costume you saw for the entire final season was the superman returns out yeah i forgot about that yeah so uh, yeah you know it, it's like okay would they would they use that same costume or would they design something new and would they do it just for like you know this one appearance it just seems like it would be a lot of money like but they're already doing brandon routh as kingdom come superman so they're yeah. building a costume for him yeah i don't know i i, I just kind of feel like i could see them either going the cheap way out on this or just being that tom welling was like look i don't want to be in a costume if you want me back as clark i'll be, come back as clark I could see that happening as well. Oh, yeah, I could too. But I don't know, man. Just, but could, I, I, I would, I really do question how the fans, even the fans who love Smallville, would still react to him not being in the costume. Yeah. After all these years. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then we also heard that Erica Durant is coming back. And I think she's coming back as Smallville Lois Lane, even though she's also now in the CW universe as... Um, as uh, Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, uh, is her name? Alora. Alora, yeah. So it'd be really interesting, you know, since she's already 
actually in in CW canon now as Alora on Supergirl. But you know, this is going to be the first time because we know we've had John Wesley Ship playing how many different versions of characters? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I mean, he's been Henry Allen, he's been Jay Garrick, and he's been Barry Allen from the 90s Flash. Yeah. So uh, that's just going to be... I'm laughing at the idea of Kara seeing Clark with a Lois who looks exactly like her mother. (laughs) Oh, you know they're going to have all kinds of end jokes like that. Well, they should. Well, they should, yeah, absolutely. And and then, you know, we also... It also got reported that Cameron Cuff, who, of course, played Segel, Superman's grandfather, on Krypton, was considered to also make an appearance in Crisis on Infinite Earths, but was unable to do so due to scheduling issues. And I'm just like, well, damn it. <laughs> that would have been Of course, I'm also sitting here going, how many other people can we put in this thing? I know it's five hours long, but really? Yeah, and it also makes you wonder, like, are there going to be other ones that we just simply don't know about, you know? I know, but they've announced so many big ones already. Yeah. I mean, I could just see them, like, flashing up scenes or pictures that, you know, they, they get the rights to from, like, other shows. Like, I could see that happening. You know, oh, not absolutely. make an appearance, but just, like, actually take footage from, you know, other shows, DC shows. Well, you know, they did that all the way back in Season 2 of The Flash when he traveled to Earth 2. Yeah. And we saw all those worlds and we were like, oh, so all these shows are in can- continuity then. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Well, that's that's going to be kind of fun. I'm uh, going through finally getting caught up in Arrow um, up to the final season. So I, I need to watch that one yet. Yeah. So that'll be a big one. Uh, that will be a big one because of the role that Oliver is going to be playing in the crisis. Yeah. Yeah, that will be good. Okay. And then we got uh, a new trailer for Watchmen. Did you see that one? I did not see this one. Oh, I you haven't saw seen that the trailer. One. Okay. I saw the trailer floating around, but I didn't know the numbers. So I didn't know if this was just the same one we'd already seen. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, the, it's another great trailer. Uh, I just get this weird feeling that Ozymandias is somehow orchestrating everything. Of course he is. He's Ozymandias. I know. I know. I know but like, I wasn't sure that they were going to do that because I, I didn't know how much we were going to see Jeremy Irons in this thing. But man, like maybe that really is like what's going on here. Like I, I, I was thinking, okay, it'd be kind of fun to have that happen, but I didn't think they were necessarily going to go there. But I just get this weird feeling that that's what's going on here. Well, if they don't do it, I would be disappointed. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. So yeah, that was another good one. Have you seen the leaked set photos of Brandon Thwaites in the Nightwing costume? No, I haven't. I, I saw I saw one from a distance kind of showing it. How does it look? No, that's the one you've seen. The one that's like you see his butt, like you're seeing him from the back. No, I didn't. I didn't see that one. Yes, there, there. It from from the back. It looks like a Nightwing costume. Okay. Are you sure that one's not on purpose? That seems to be a Nightwing thing. No, no, no. Nightwing's butt is most definitely a thing. <laughs> so it was, it was, a, it was a, a leaked photo. It was a leaked photo. Yes, okay. it was taken from a distance. Okay, very poorly shot. Okay, but you see Nightwing's butt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, it, by the way, I'm almost complete through my uh, run through of season one of Titans, and I just really enjoyed the show uh, quite a bit more now that I kind of know where the first season went. Like going through the second time, I'm just like really impressed with how well they did so many things in that show uh so i'm i'm gonna be real curious to see which which i still haven't seen first or second or third episode now right yeah third episode now which i haven't seen the second or third episodes because i've just gotten behind yeah but i can tell you that just be prepared for it kind of becomes a little bit of a different like it grows into a different show by season two yeah that's what i've heard yes so so yeah i'm I'm curious to see how that feels all right and then uh i guess we that's probably about it for this week but let's kind of talk about the the cool thing that was kind of done around the world for Batman Day. Oh, yes. The bat signal was uh, lit on 13 different landmarks across the world this past Saturday for
before Batman Day. Yeah. I'm surprised it's taken that long to do this. I, you know, it just, I don't know. I mean, I actually, this is the first Batman Day that I can remember that I really didn't participate in just because of, you know, family stuff. Yeah. Life stuff. Yeah. No, but I mean, they got those great things that they can project all kinds of, you know, you see people do it all the time. They'll project like messages and words and things on buildings and all that. Uh, and I'm just surprised it hasn't happened. But yeah, it's finally happened, I guess. Um, but you, you, you notice like, I don't think there was any place that was actually projecting a bat signal up into the clouds. No, no, not it at all. It just kind of shows it shows you it doesn't really work that well. Shh. <laughs> Suspension of disbelief. <laughs> Be quiet, sir. Well, didn't they? Uh, it wasn't it like Christopher Nolan actually tried to do that in well, one of the films. Well, in Batman Begins, you see it, and it looks all fuzzy and stuff because it was Falcone, you know, right? You know, chained to a spotlight. Yeah, but yeah. but yeah, that's kind of cool. I'm I'm glad they're kind of doing that kind of thing. It's just it felt like kind of a no brainer. Yeah, I know, really. Yeah. All right. Well, man, I think that's it for this week's podcast. Yeah. You know, thank you guys for listening to the um, much delayed episode this week. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. We'd love to hear from you guys, and also go out and get your tickets tomorrow morning. I know, right? Yeah. Or by t- the time you hear this <laughs> today or, or today whenever you're listening to this episode really have you not gotten your tickets already what's wrong with you <laughs> what is wrong with you um you can find us guys if you'd like to reach out to us uh at suicide Squadcast on twitter you can find me on twitter at alan fire you can find me at scott dc 27 on twitter you can also email the show at suicide squadcast at gmail.com we're also on vero facebook and our website suicide squadcast.com where you can find the entire network of shows in one place yep so anyway guys we'd love to hear from you please reach out to us uh and i would say scott i think that's it for this week sorry for the late episode but you know it life it happens life life equipment life equipment (laughs) stuff happens stuff (laughs) but um hey guys go out keep reading some dc all right good advice see you guys later bye No, we are giving your mixer board a Suicide Squad cast funeral. Oh, that seems kind it's of a, be like Vikings. It's like the like a Viking burial. Yeah, they don't. You know, we don't bury Vikings. We send them off into a ship and fire <laughs> flaming arrows into the sky. Except for on this show, you know what we do to send something off yes. into the wild blue yonder. That is true. That is what we do. But it was a good mixer. It gave us about four hundred shows, and then it died on me. Yeah. Oh, oh, mixer board. We knew ye well. You served us well, but. It is time. Goodbye. Goodbye.